the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ouch. Hello. Wait, why is this thing? Oh, gosh. Uh, there we go. Am I on the air? Yes, I am. Okay, hi. Uh, everything's good and um, cold outside, lots of traffic. Uh, what else? Uh, when the hell is Christmas? <laughs> it doesn't feel like Christmas. It doesn't feel remotely like the Christmas season. What was that Charlie Brown episode where he did not have the Christmas spirit and they had to arrange to decorate that measly tree into something special? And kind of in the same mode right now. Uh, life is good, but it just doesn't feel uh, like Christmas. Uh, I was looking forward to this uh, this crazy um, crypto guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, Wears the hoodie all the time. I'm not that fascinated by the story. Um, for one thing, they're not telling it very well, and it's kind of downplayed. And why could that be? Well, I w- went looking around, and Sam Bankman Freed is friends with just about every Democrat and liberal you can name uh, from uh, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, Tony Blair, uh, the World Bank crowd, all those people. There's Sam Bankman Freed. Anyway, it turns out the whole crypto thing, at least his part of it, Big scam. Uh, he was about to testify today, name names, at, uh, before the House of Representatives. And at that very moment, the Justice Department sweeps in and arrests him. Is it so he'll keep his mouth shut? Because when you got a federal indictment that you got to deal with, I think it supersedes the, you know, the congressional uh, stuff. Uh, listen to this. Cut 18, please. 11 o'clock, we have some breaking news. The sudden and surprising arrest overseas of the founder of FTX, that failed cryptocurrency exchange. And we expect to learn about the charges tomorrow right here in a courtroom in New York. It's been a really humbling fall in, in a lot of ways. A lot of people look at you and see Bernie Madoff. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's who I am at, at all, but I understand why they're saying that. People lost money and people lost a lot of money. He's not that convincing. I don't think that's who I am, but I can understand why somebody would think that. He's not saying, that's outrageous. I am nothing like Bernie. No, I don't really think so, but I totally understand why people would say that. Uh, I want to know why this guy is being protected. But look, this is small potatoes, small potatoes compared to uh, this FBI Twitter uh, throwing the election to Joe Biden in 2020. That's what I believe. That's what the documentation uh more than suggests, I think, quite frankly, it proves it, that they rigged it again in 2020. Uh, They had to stop Trump. 2016, they they fell asleep. They could never let that happen again. Never, ever, ever let that happen again. They wouldn't sit back and let the people just decide. No, they had to rig it. They had to set up the systems. Uh, You know what they were doing? You know what they did? They carried out. We basically had another Russia hoax. We had a Russia hoax that nobody talks about. Nobody knows about. We know the first one. Oh, Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. Absolutely not true. But it helped in part. They tried to sabotage his presidency with it. The Robert Mueller report, nobody actually read it. But if you did read it, you know there's absolutely no conspiracy. Even Mueller had to say that. Although he, you know, with his kind of swamp dance, gave uh, some some alleged red meat. But it was all rancid and rotten. Uh, trying to dirty Trump up with that report. It didn't, but they tried. But there was another Russia hoax that the uh, Russians were going to try to 
impact this election in 2020 uh, with these fake Twitter accounts and that kind of thing. So that was the excuse. That was the pretext for the FBI essentially embedding in these big tech uh, companies, Twitter, Facebook, Google. They were working hand-in-hand with these guys in lockstep. Lockstep. That's some verbiage I got from a from an FBI agent himself. His name is Elvis Chan. He exists. He still works for the FBI. He doesn't, quite frankly, sound like an FBI agent. He's He sounds like a, like a tech guy or a political cons- uh, operative. So Elvis Chan, FBI agent, is uh, warning all of the companies, Twitter, Facebook, uh, about Russia disinformation. But it's not just Russia disinformation he's warning them about. It's warning them about, you know, oh, this person says the election is uh, in jeopardy. Uh, this person doesn't trust mail-in voting. FBI would flag those people, and Twitter would take action against them, reducing their visibility. This is, I don't care. Twitter can be as woke and liberal and stupid as it wants to be. But when you start taking direction from the FBI, it does become a First Amendment issue. So this guy is uh, still with the FBI. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is going to get big. If we if we can pull it off, this is going to get big. Right now, it is big. It's the biggest thing in the world. I think this is bigger than Watergate. And it, it, and it has it's similar to Watergate as well. Because Nixon, and I'm a big Nixon fan, you know what Nixon did? Uh, just tell them that uh, this is all related to the Bay of Pigs, uh, you know, all this communist stuff, and they shouldn't go there. This is what they told, they wanted the CIA to tell the FBI, stay away because it's uh, it's Russia, we're fighting the Russians. Well, now we have the FBI actually saying fraudulently that we're worried about Russia. When it's not Russia, it's Rudy Giuliani, quite frankly. Rudy Giuliani and that uh, totally legitimately acquired laptop. Somebody sent it to him. And the person who sent it to him was the rightful and legal owner. Hunter Biden dropped off that laptop, did not pay his bill. 90 days goes by. It becomes the property of the store. And that store owner could do whatever the hell he wanted to do with it. And he did the right thing. He sent it to the FBI. Well, we thought that was the right thing. And then, okay, now we know, again, the FBI is totally corrupt. So he said, hmm, I'm going to send one of these to uh, somebody I think I can trust. Not the FBI, but Rudy Giuliani. Now, the FBI was investigating Rudy. Um, It was all fake. I think they just wanted another way to kind of monitor what he was doing, monitor what he was uh, up to. Somebody who was very close to Donald Trump. All right. So anyway, this is Elvis Chan. Does this guy sound objective? Does he sound like an FBI agent? Is this the way FBI agents are supposed to talk? Cut 34. I think that we are moving along well and steadily improving, right? So we have Super Tuesday coming up next week, and then we have the elections in November. So I would like to report that the FBI and the U.S. government as a whole is all moving together in lockstep, getting ready for the big day. Uh... It rubs me the wrong way. The U.S. government as a whole. Now, elections are still administered by the states. What the hell are you talking about with the U.S.? And it's the FBI. It's the Department of Homeland Security. It's the uh, uh, Office of National Intelligence. Look, this guy is a 
here's another guy from the FBI. Now, he's a liar, but at least he's pushing the party line. All right. The party line that's appropriately the FBI's. You ready for this? This is what the FBI is supposed to be worried about when it comes to elections. Cut 33. The FBI is charged with protecting the rights of all Americans, including their right to vote. While the responsibility to ensure a fair election process lies primarily at the state and local level, the FBI takes allegations of election-related violations of federal law seriously. The FBI investigates federal election crimes that generally fall into three categories, campaign finance crimes, voter ballot fraud, and civil rights violations. The FBI Washington Field Office works with our state and federal partners to engage with other law enforcement partners and provide resources about the FBI's role in elections. Sounds fantastic to me. Campaign finance uh, violations, absolutely. We've got laws against that. Voter ballot fraud, absolutely. We've got laws against that. Civil rights, yep, we've got to protect everybody's civil rights, absolutely. And the FBI, did you notice what he said? He's working with uh, their law enforcement partners. Their law enforcement partners. But, see, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to get the job done. So they bring in Elvis Chan, Special Agent Elvis Chan, who's been working with big tech, knows that world. Hey, I thought they were supposed to move FBI agents all around the country. You can't stay in one place for, for more than a couple of years. This guy's been in... This guy has worked in San Francisco for his like for like 15 years in one place. Is that we got a bunch of FBI agents around here. I got to ask them. But listen to this. Cut 35. Does this again sound like an FBI agent who's worried about that stuff that you're supposed to be worried about in the FBI campaign finance, voter civil rights, all that stuff. Special agent from the FBI, Elvis Chan. He said this a couple of months before uh, the 2020 election. Cut 35. Describe how the FBI has really marshaled forces since 2016 in preparation for where we are now. So there are a lot of different things we're doing, but I'll, I'll, I'll limit it to a couple of things. So I think one of the things that was really important to us that we didn't have ahead of 2016 was established channels of communication with private sector companies, specifically social media companies. So we've done a much better job since 2016 of really establishing channels of communication, being able to share threat indicators with them so that they can protect their platform. Wow. All those open channels of communication with, uh, you know what? You don't need, op- you don't need channel. You need a phone. All right. You got to call Twitter if there's a big problem. This is like embedded. They're all on the same team. They're on the same team ideologically, ideologically. And they're falsely labeling all this stuff. You know, this could be Russia disinformation. Really? Let's limit it. Let's limit it. Let's cancel it. Russia is used as an excuse, which, by the way, is a laugh-out-loud excuse. More on that in a moment. Again, does this sound like the purview of the Federal Bureau of Investigation? And I want to look up what they uh, – federal law, bank robberies, child pornography, human trafficking, financial crimes, anti-terrorism. This stuff, cut 36, does this sound right? The other good thing that we've done is um, I think post 9-11, the interagency process, all of the intelligence community, we've been working really well on, well on counterterrorism, but maybe not quite as well on, on the election security. And so I can report that we are doing a really good job of sharing all of each agency's reporting with each other. So everyone is really well informed of what is happening right now and what is on the horizon. So I think those are the two big things that we've done. So what are they talking about? What are they sharing? This, I believe, was a big tech colluding with the 
permanent deep state to stop Trump, to steer the election. It's not about Russia. He says it's about Russia. We got to worry about Russia. Does this does he actually laughs when he says he's worried about Russia? Because we know he's actually worried about Trump, in my opinion. Cut 37. I'm used to working Russian hackers, right? right? And so we did the indictment of the FSB officers for the Yahoo hack. Little did I know that all of a sudden the Russians would be, you know, working on the election stuff. It's been really, uh, is fun too strong a word? It's, it's been really interesting and fun. It's been really interesting and fun to fight these Russians. Well, if the Russians posed, did you think anybody said that during the Cold War? No. Why? Because it was an existential threat, as they like to say. This is phony. This is a pretext. Uh, let's see there. The, the, that indictment of the uh, officers he was talking about, the Russian officers, that was a phony indictment. A phony indictment. And you can go to the Mueller report and look it up. You know how much money the Russians spent trying to influence the election of 2016? $140,000 total. And by the way, you know, they started trying to influence the election, if you will, in 2014, before Trump even declared. Everyone's always screwing around a little bit with everybody else's uh, country, just a little bit. We actually want certain people to win in Israel. We don't take over the elections, but we kind of nudge here and there. Sure, that it happens. The CIA does it. It happens. But it's not decisive. It's minimal. It's on the it's it's nothing. And Elvis here, his demeanor is very suspicious, and it confirms to me, um, well, look, they all, listen to the FBI's culture. Listen to what they sound like. All right? Now, let's see here. I've got these guys. Where are all those jerks? 32, please. A person who sees moral equivalence in Charlottesville. Jim who talks about and treats women like they're pieces of meat, who lies. Stop for a second. That. You're about to hear from, I should have done this. This is James Comey, former director of the FBI. Um, Andrew McCabe, deputy director of the FBI. Peter Strzok, senior investigator slash special agent slash lead investigator for the Russian stuff. And Lisa Page, staff lawyer at the FBI, girlfriend of Peter Strzok. All right? And this is the FBI speaking. This is the heart and soul of it. Take it from the top. A person who sees moral equivalence in Charlottesville, who talks about and treats women like they're pieces of meat, who lies constantly about matters big and small and insists the American people believe it, that person's not fit to be president of the United States on moral grounds. Do you think the president is a threat? Is that what that means? I think it's entirely possible. I think that's one of the reasons why we opened the case against him. The president himself might, in fact, be a threat to the United States national security. Without exaggeration, President Trump's counterintelligence vulnerabilities are exponentially greater than any president in modern history. So do you think the president is a national security threat? I do. It's really one of the more painful aspects of this entire two years. I mean, the president's attacks and assaults are one thing, but this is my institution. This is my Justice Department betraying us. That's Lisa Page. No, it's actually our Justice Department, not yours. You see how, how entitled the swamp is? It's all those people. Now, obviously, we know, we know if they felt that way about Donald Trump, they would easily throw out the regulations, the rules, all that stuff, just get rid of them. 
But what about breaking the law? Is that beyond them? Absolutely not. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Twitter? Oh, Twitter. Who cares about Twitter? Well, hey, it's more important than television. It's probably more important than radio. It's more important than books. Twitter, I don't necessarily like it. It just, it is what it is. This is true. Twitter, if you can win Twitter, you can win elections. Cut 28. Twitter is the most important platform for politicians, for celebrities, and for journalists. I think Twitter is more important, and it's the most important platform. You can love Twitter, you can hate Twitter, but it is one of the most important communications platforms on the planet. On the planet. It's true. It is true. And after Hillary lost in 2016, and she was terrible at social media, you all know that Trump was a genius at it. You think that they were just going to sit there and let Trump continue to dominate that space? No, they were going after him on every front, right? Every Everything they can get him on, everything they could pursue. You know, the phony impeachments, the uh, overall harassment of his family, children, everything, everything, his business dealings. And, of course, he has Twitter. Just a quick reminder, even they had to acknowledge his genius uh, when dealing, when using Twitter. Cut 31. Donald Trump has been a master of social media, good or bad, during this election. If we learn something from Mr. Trump, then I would say he he really is good in using Twitter. Trump gained the most followers on Twitter and was the most mentioned candidate of the night. He was the most searched candidate on Google as well. So everywhere we look, the, uh, the, the what do you call it, the metrics favor him. That was back in 2016, and they had to take that advantage away from him all right and they did by colluding with the fbi and big tech it happened and we are on to them ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly two million ohioans live with a mental health condition in the u.s more than 50 percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, I've been dancing around this issue long enough. It's uh, not important, but it keeps coming up. T.J. Holmes and Amy Rohrbach. Apparently, reportedly, they were getting it on, uh, where exactly? Various, uh, well, wherever those things are conducted. Private retreats upstate, various hotel rooms probably. They're both married to other people. I guess they're separated now. Who are these people, first of all? They uh, they co-anchor the third hour of Good Morning America. All right. Uh, are they all that important? Uh no, I don't think anyone here has ever even seen or even knew they had something called GMA3 on TV. I've seen it actually a couple of times. It's terrible. It's really a bad show. Uh, very cheaply produced. But by cheap, I mean lazily p- produced. You don't need a lot to make great TV. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, special effects and whiz bang, lacks all that stuff. No, by cheap, I mean lazy. They're all mailing it in. All right. So. Okay, they hook up at work. I think, quite frankly, it's between them and their spouses and God, all right? 
Uh, they're just not that important enough. Also, forgive me for making it such a big deal. Uh, headlines yesterday, George Stephanopoulos disapproves. Robin Roberts disapproves. The New York Times has been covering this thing. All this coverage. Two consenting adults who met at work. I have a feeling this has happened before, and it's going to happen again. Now, granted, in wake of Me Too, that's, uh, well, it's especially stupid uh, this day and age, but whatever. It happened. Uh, and they're treating them like war criminals. I mean, <laughs> meanwhile, Joe and Mika, right? Aren't they cute together? Oh, so cute, Joe and Mika. Well, they met at work as well. And it's embraced as, uh, and they were married to their other people. And, you know, they, they had an affair. They were down to get down. And they got down and uh, whatever. What are you going to do about it? I mean, I knew about it. Didn't make a big deal out of it. I kind of shook my head or I felt sad for the people, you know, who were left behind and whatever. But people were congratulating them on air. I think their their wedding was held on air, wasn't it? And Joe and Mika, the cutest couple in the world. Why are they the cutest couple in the world? And T.J. Holmes and Amy Rohrbach are war criminals. What, like, what is the difference? Because Joe and Mika, they co-host that show, by the way, right? They met on that show. Uh, it's a stupid, it's all stupid. And it's all, quite frankly, as I said, I think, I do remember when I was a little kid watching the news and they came on, breaking news, Gary Hart has been seen with a woman, not his wife. Now, again, this stuff is not good. And there are commandments and rules. I just don't know if it's our business. You know? And that famous scene in the Bible. And they're all ready to kill that woman. Remember, they're going to stone her to death because they caught her hooking up with somebody. And they were going to throw rocks at her until she was dead. Imagine that, dying by stoning. Oh, gosh. It doesn't take one rock. It takes, you know... 50 rocks, 100 rocks, and you got to hit the head and all this stuff, death by stoning. And they go to Jesus and they test him. This woman has been caught in adultery. What shall we do? Let ye with the first, uh, wait, ye who is without sin, let, let, let the persons who didn't do anything bad throw the first rock at her. And they kind of looked at each other and they dropped their rocks and they all left. Now there's a part of that story that's often overlooked. Because he says something to the woman. He says, who condemns you? He said, no one. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. That part's often left out. Forget. You know, they always mention the thing. Hey, 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 you know, who are you to talk? Let uh, He without sin cast the first stone. Well, everybody's sinned, so you can't throw a rock. But Jesus also says, sin no more. Don't do it again. Okay. I don't want to have this talk with you again. I think that's a beautiful part of the story as well. Not as told, but it's like there's a responsibility here. Anyway, all that said, I feel bad for uh, all parties concerned, and that includes Billy. All right. Hey, why are they so nice on Fox to uh, this Admiral Kirby guy? Admiral Kirby. Admiral Kirby. I'm going to call him Kirby because he's no longer an admiral in the Navy, and it's not such a big deal anyway. Um, Kirby, he's the guy, he kind of looks like, he looks like a, um, looks very ordinary and he's in charge of coordinating foreign policy communications, something like that. I noticed that they're always really nice to him. So 
on the Fox News Sunday show, you know, this is a big deal, all right? We find out that the FBI is colluding with big tech to steer the election, probably. So they put the question to him. And I'll give him that. They put the question to him. But then they dropped it real quick. Cut 42. How much pushback ability do they have if the federal government, an agency like the FBI, is calling them up and saying, we don't like these specific tweets and think you should take action? And then they do, it appears. Well, without speaking to that uh, hypothetical situation, again, uh, these are these are private companies, um, and uh, and they have to make these decisions uh, based on their own policies, their own uh, their own initiatives, and we respect that. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the big news this week between Victor Boots. Okay, dropping that matter, moving on, because they want to have uh, Kirby back on TV for some reason. Who cares? What do you need this guy to pretend he doesn't know anything? He's not going to answer a hypothetical question. Well, it's not hypothetical. It really happened with this FBI. What is the Biden administration going to do about it? Did they know about it? Are they going to do anything about it? Can Director Ray just have his uh, special agents go and embed with big tech and pretend that it's Russia disinformation, but they're really concerned about some guy in Indiana who's not so confident in mail-in voting? That's the kind of people they were flagging and reducing on Twitter. That's a big, big deal. And the FBI so far outside of their lane where they should be. But I guess we want to have John Kirby on some other show. So we're not going to, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to really push it too much. We don't want to push our luck here, do we? Hey, Fox is um, conflicted, but there are some guys there who we, we love. One of them is Tucker. Hey, Tucker, did she? Did he have Tara Reid on last night? Now, I've had Tara Reid on my show multiple times. Tara Reid is that, uh, well, the woman who worked for Joe Biden when he was a United States senator back in the 19, early 1990s, and she said he sexually assaulted her. Her name is Tara Reid. She's a real person. She exists. She was able, unlike Christine Blasey Ford, unbelievable, Christine Blasey Ford, some hazy, half-baked story, zero corroboration, and we stop and we have Senate hearings for three days and the whole country watches. Tara Reid can corroborate it all. She can at least establish herself as a staff member of Joe Biden. That's a fact. We know that. So she, she can put herself in the office with Joe Biden, and she says she was assaulted by him. Digitally penetrated, I believe. That's rape. And you know what this, why this gets me? You know what happened to me 10 years ago, right? I was accused falsely of, of rape. And it was a very difficult thing to go through. For me personally, of course, for my parents, for my brother, for very dear friends of mine. And I, I had no choice, though. I had to just go through it. I had to take it. There was an investigation, and you know who went crazy with it? Good Morning America, the Today Show, that CBS Dopey Morning Show, the, all the damn newspapers. They had to cover this story. Well, his father's a police official, and Greg Kelly is on local TV. Two weeks straight. Quite frankly, I, I don't go eight seconds uh, without somebody mentioning it on online, that whole thing. That's that, that that I can take it, but it does follow me around. And uh, Joe Biden, Joe freaking Biden, was accused of doing that. 
as a United States senator. And nobody gives a damn. They didn't do 20 minutes on Good Morning America. They didn't do breaking news. They didn't. Nothing. It's ignored. I, Greg Kelly, there was more stupid coverage of that joke of an accusation than Joe Biden, vice president of the United States at the time, former when these allegations came out, future president potentially, one of the longest serving U.S. senators in history. And a woman who worked for him said this happened, and they ignored it, yet they go to town because Greg Kelly, local news guy? Wow. So, yeah, it's a little bit personal in a weird way. Tara Reid, cut 12. He had me up against a wall, and he penetrated me with his fingers against my will. And I, um, you know, it was, it wasn't just the assault, though, um, it was it was everything to do with here I am, this young staffer, and he did this, and then I made him angry. And that's like someone you don't want to make angry. Because I said no. Wow. Wow. And she can place herself in the office. She worked for him. It's 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 they have employment records. She was there working for Joe freaking Biden. Cut thirteen. It was just, it happened all at once. It happened really quickly. There was no, like, flirtation with him or anything like that. It was very, you know, um, he's he was usually with people, and he wasn't. I was, like, at the wrong place at the wrong time, so to speak. And when it happened, um, he at first was like, come on, man, I heard you liked me. And I, you know, I froze. And then he said he got angry, and that's when he smiled. You know, that smile. And that's what was really jarring. And then he said, he pointed his finger in my face and he said, you're nothing. You're nothing to me. And then I I must have had a certain look on my face and he just took my shoulders and shook him. He said, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And then he turned around and he walked away. Well, that sounded very credible to me. It sure as hell did. But let's call her a Russian spy. That's what the fake news is doing. Oh, she must be a Russian spy. Here we go again with Russia, Russia, Russia. And by the way, I mentioned that thing that I went through. I also, I didn't mention this. Yes, it was a it was a big pain in the neck, and it was traumatizing this, that, and the other thing for the people I love, for me a little bit. Yes, yes, yes. But I'll tell you what, also, never, ever, ever had I felt so overwhelmingly the love of my parents, my brother, uh, aunts, cousins, friends and perfect strangers and most of all god and uh now i know i can put it all together you can make you can you can look back and you can connect the dots and you can and you can come out better and quite frankly i'm glad i went through that thing i did i am i am there i said it i'm you learn so much you don't learn a damn thing at a party you learn from your low moments you learn when you are tested All right. Enough about that for now. Uh, Angelina is on the phone. She is in, uh, where are you? Hi. Hi, uh, Mr. Kelly. Yes, hello. How are you? Fine. Uh, Mr. Kelly, I first want to say I'm not particularly a fan of yours, but I am trying to Call me Greg. Call me Greg. 
Okay, Greg, uh, I want to congratulate you on finding God in your life. And All right, your what's the deal? Thank you. I appreciate that. But you, you came with the beef, so uh, hit me. Yes, I came with the beef with Angela Bobbitt. Angela I, I Babbitt is her name, not Babbitt. Bobbitt. Babbitt, excuse yes. Me. Excuse me, Babbitt. Uh, I'm biracial. Uh, that's important to the Congratulations. Story. Does that does that give you? Let me just ask you something because uh, Megan said something about this the other day. Do you think, as a biracial person, you have greater value than somebody who's not biracial? Just curious, and it's an honest question because Megan Markle said the other day that it's all about being biracial. That's what it's all about. That's what the world is all about. I don't know if I I don't I I don't agree with that. How do you feel about that? I don't agree with her either. I don't think I'm any more special than anybody else. Fantastic thing, but you are special. So am I. So is everybody. We're all human beings. Okay, continue with your grievance. Okay, so you talk about her, Angela, so much, and you always have to emphasize that the cop was black. But there have been plenty of black women who have been killed by white officers, and I never see you go off. You're, like, really fixated on this Angela, and I want to know why, because – I, I, it was a tragedy what happened, but well, then you okay. Got- number one, let's get her name yeah. straight. It's Ashley okay, yeah. Babbitt. All right, and one of the reasons why I find it incredibly, um, the whole case is fascinating. Is yes, she's white. The shooter was black. We have come to a moment in this country where certain people are devalued, not considered worthy, not considered um, of sufficient status. They call her white trash. They say that she was scum. They say she deserved it. Now, I want you to think. You live in the same world I do. Do you believe that if that officer were white and she were black, that this would not be the biggest story in the country? That there, she was unarmed. She posed absolutely no threat. Breaking into a window, if that's what she is doing, and we don't know if that's what she was doing, actually. She may have been pushed. We have it on videotape. One of the reasons why I emphasize it all the time is because it happened on television. We all saw it, and it's been rushed away. We've had two years of hearings, two years of hearings, and we haven't heard a damn thing. Hey, by the way, you mentioned uh, black women shot by white cops. Name one for me. Uh, Brittany Taylor. Gosh, you got to work on the names. No, I'm not good at Brianna Taylor. I was, I was actually, I thought that you were going to mention because I am conversant in this as well. Eleanor Bumpers, remember that case? Eleanor Bumpers. Nobody really remembers it. And uh, folks, there are too many lies to. But let me let me put it to you this way, Angelina. You don't need me to talk about Brianna Taylor because the mainstream media embraced that myth and ran with it. Okay, I'm not here to do what everybody else is doing. I know you say you're not a fan. Maybe this is one of the reasons you turn me on. I'm not going to pick up what NBC News said eight seconds ago. And, oh, isn't this great? I don't know. I don't run with that crowd. I disagree with them on everything. So if you want to know about Brianna Taylor, say her name, Brianna, say her name, Taylor. You got a thousand places to go. You got 10,000 places to go. If you want to know about Ashley Babbitt. Uh, you can, you can tune into this show. You can, uh, check out Judicial Watch. Uh, there are a couple of websites you can go to. And that's it. So does that answer your question in part? 
Yeah, it does answer my question. And, and, and I listen to you, so I'm, I, it, I'm somewhat interested in becoming a fan of yours. I'm not closed-minded at all, and I do respect a lot of your opinions. It's just sometimes uh, I get a little irritated with you, but, you know, that's life. Everybody has an opinion, and we have to respect it. I love it, Angela. I, uh, Angelina. I love it. I love it because sometimes people uh, disagree. They call into my show. They hear something that Sid said on the air, and they're like, he should be they want to call the police on them. People can say stuff and people can disagree, and that's kind of the way it's supposed to work. Angelina, I appreciate the call. Stay in touch, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ah, welcome back. Hmm. Who likes Fritos? The best food in the world. Frito, and they haven't changed them a bit. You know what they have changed? Twinkies. Twinkies are a totally different experience. First of all, they're about uh, one-third the size they were when I was a kid. I know everything seems smaller when you get older, but these things are definitely smaller, far less cream, and the cake is just, um, no, it's nothing. It used to be so special. What a thing to be enjoyed. Uh, What do we enjoy now? Well, I do like my Fritos. They haven't messed with that. Um, all right, we are up against a break. So with that time, I'll go to Sandra real quick. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Greg. Um, I wanted to ask you if you are aware of the 32-foot 5G cell towers that are being put up on the Upper East Side. Um, I am learning No, that they should put more of those you, things. I want more of them. I can't uh, – I got such crummy oh. cell service up there. Why? What's the problem with them? Well, no, I thought I thought I heard them say that it's like the Alpine Towers that eventually you get cancer from it, and they're also saying that it's unsightly for people who have apartments there. Ah, you know what are you going to do? We live in the city, tall buildings, tall towers. I can handle it. You got, we're going to die of something. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I, let me see this. Let me see. Let me see a picture of this thing. I don't think they're that bad. I don't think they're that bad. I need more. What are you worried about? You're in New Jersey. My sister lives in the city, though. Well, look, you have cell phone towers out there in the sticks, right? We have that Alpine Tower. That's all the one that I know about. All right. Well, they're all over the place, and, um, you know, we're doing okay. They They told us that. Cell phones were going to give us brain cancer. Remember that? They said cell phones mm-hmm. would lead to brain cancer. I, You know what's uh, hurting us uh, more than cell phone towers? Drugs and alcohol, all right? Drugs and alcohol. If we can get away from that stuff and crummy diet, all right, uh, we won't have anything to worry about regarding cell phone towers or anything like that. I, um, uh, So I'm not worked. There are a lot of things I'm worked up about, but not this one. Pardon me. And I'm looking at a okay. picture of the cell phone tower. Quite frankly, it doesn't even look that tall. It looks like a. It looks like a. It looks like a telephone pole, like an old-fashioned telephone pole that's metal. Tell me about your sister, anyway. Well, I wanted to tell you something else first, if I may, about Grover Cleveland. Uh, there's know, the music. You're gonna. Go, what about Grover? Oh, well, he won the election on two non-consecutive terms. He was the only president, so I'm predicting that Trump will be the next one to win. On two non-consecutive terms. Isn't that interesting? Well, uh, uh, I, I already knew that. But now I'm confused. Are we sure it was Grover Cleveland? Yes, it was. All right. Thank you. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You absolutely have to love Trump. I tell you what. 
There are just two things that happened in the past couple of minutes. I see Shira Shinland, Shira Shinland, former federal judge who ruled on stop and frisk, said it was uh, partially unconstitutional, some sort of cockamamie language she uh, she used. Um, that was a big victory for uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center, for liberals everywhere. What they never tell you is that she was removed from the case a short time after that ruling for misconduct. Misconduct regarding that case. You know how often that happens? Where, you know, let's say there's a lawsuit, you're being sued, and uh, you lose, and you say you're going to appeal, and you say the judge uh, you know, should be removed from the case because she was totally biased, and the appellate court agrees with you and takes the court and say, we have to stay this whole decision, we have to put it over there because we don't trust it because this person is full of bias. Uh, well, that happened. That happened in the stop and frisk case. And it's kind of amazing. And you know who understood it? Um, Donald Trump did. He understood it. He understood minute details of that case in 2016. It came up during the debate because Lester Holt, fake news master, said stop and frisk was ruled to be unconstitutional. And Trump just says, no, you're you're wrong. We uh, What you had in that case was a very anti-cop judge. And she was uh, ruled to have engaged in misconduct. And you're wrong, Lester. It's not like that at all. And he was totally right. The fake news, by the way, the so-called fact checker said Donald Trump was wrong and Lester Holt was right. Or they gave partial credit or they said needed context. And they count those things as lies. They are. The other thing that he was great about, I mean, everything, but just two that come to mind right now is uh, the Central Park Five. The Central Park Five. And when he could have. Number one, he was right in 1989 when it happened. And he was right when that silly documentary came out and tried to malign that hero, uh, Linda Fairstein. And uh, Donald Trump, again, knew details of the case and was supportive of Linda Fairstein. Now, why is the Central Park Five a thing again? Uh, Is this true? They're going to name a part of Central Park after the Central Park Five. Give me a break. I call the Central Park Five, by the way, the Central Park Guilty. Uh, let's see, Channel 7, which, oh, by the way, even the local Channel 7 is totally woke. Uh, network, yes, but local, too. Cut uh, 19, please. Well, they were wrongly convicted for beating and raping a white woman jogging in Central Park more than 30 years ago. Five black and Hispanic teens known as the Central Park Five spent years in prison before being exonerated. Today, the city trying to right a wrong, giving final approval to honor the victims by renaming an entrance to the park, calling it the Gate of the Exonerated. How nauseating. And how much fake news could she cram in... uh... In, uh, what was that, 20 seconds, 25 seconds? They were not exonerated. The verdict was vacated. That is a huge difference from exoneration. In fact, I believe that the prosecutors have the discretion to bring this case again if they wanted to. Now, a lot of people say, well, DNA evidence uh, proved their innocence. No, it did not. It absolutely did not. Any other people who say all this stuff, who don't know what they're talking about, you know what I, I say sometimes? Because I get into this debate. I say, and they're like, the Central Park Five, they are innocent and they were wrongly. I said, do me a favor. Name one of the Central Park Five. What do you mean? Name What, what are their names? Uh, 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 they never know. They can never give you the name of Anton McRae, Corey Wise, Raymond Santana, Yusef Salam, uh, Kevin Richardson, these guys. And they never, they never bother to watch 
the actual confessions and what they admit to. Uh, there's so much fake news. We've got to name a park after these freaking guys. The gate to a park. <laughs> we already gave them millions and millions and millions of dollars. Bill de Blasio did. It was a campaign country. Hey, let me know if that's good. Can I do that? Let me. Is it good? You're going to let me know? All right, let me know because I want to see that. Um, I do want to see that. So here's this. Uh, I will give this one guy at CNN some credit. His name is Smirkanish. He has a weekend show, and he's pretty good. Listen to this, uh, but uh, listen to this. Cut 21. One of the most talked about television shows right now is the Netflix four-part series, When They See Us. It tells the story of the so-called Central Park Five, the five New York City youths ages 14 to 16 who were convicted of rape after an April 19, 1989 attack in Central Park. Their convictions were all vacated after a serial rapist named Mateus Reyes confessed in 2002 to the rape of the Central Park jogger and said he acted alone. The five are all black or Hispanic. The 29-year-old victim was white. The crime was a national sensation further dramatized when Donald Trump, then a well-known real estate developer in New York, paid for a full-page ad in multiple newspapers, including the New York Times, advocating the return of the death penalty. In 2014, the administration of Mayor Bill de Blasio settled a lawsuit brought by the five for $41 million, but the city admitted no wrongdoing on the part of the investigators. I tell you what, Ms. Smirkanish is pretty damn good. <laughs> Everything he said there was factually correct, and he was precise. Yeah, I, I see he didn't use the word exonerated, vacated. There's a key difference. He also said that he didn't call for the death penalty, Trump, of these five. He called for bringing back the death penalty for cop killers and murderers, but he wasn't specifically calling. That's that's actually good stuff. And then he had one of the original investigators come on. His name is Eric Reynolds, and he came to the defense. I can't believe they're renaming this damn park. What else can I do? Can I, is there something I can do to uh, object that that we can do? Cut 22, if you don't mind. Cut 22. Joining me now is Eric Reynolds, a former New York City police officer who, on the night of the attack, arrested two of the five. Eric, thanks for being here. You watched the Netflix series, and you thought what? Well, thank you for having me, Michael. Um, I watched the Netflix series, and I was shocked. Okay? I actually laughed out loud when I saw the... Uh, Felicity Huffman playing Linda Fairstein uh, implore the police to go out and round up all black men in Harlem. I thought that was absolutely preposterous. Um, it never happened. Linda Fairstein was never even in the precinct that day when the, when the investigation was started, first of all. Second of all, the district attorney does not give orders to the police department. They do not direct our investigations. Our investigation was well underway once Linda Fairstein arrived at the Central Park Precinct. All right. And this Eric Reynolds, by the way, happens to be black. <laughs> it's interesting. The facts often don't make for a sexy, interesting story. All right. Hey, wait a second. The U.S. attorney is announcing the charges against this Sam Bankman Freed guy, the crypto guy. Listen to this. Nicholas Rose and Danielle Sassoon and their supervisors, Scott Hartman and Matthew Podolsky, the chiefs of our Securities and Commodities Fraud Task Force. I want to acknowledge the contributions and hard work of the prosecutors from our Money Laundering and Transnational Criminal Enterprises Unit, including Samuel Raymond and Thane Wren, 
and their chiefs, Jessica Feinstein all right, and all right. You know what? I, I, I celebrate when you get a conviction, all right? I don't want to hear anybody. Uh, turn, it, turn it back up, please. Becca Donaleski. This should be very clear, but it's an all-hands-on-deck investigation here in SDNY. I don't I care. I be prouder of the team that I'm privileged to lead. And I now want to invite up to the podium FBI Assistant Director in Charge, Michael Driscoll. Oh, when have we been let down by the FBI before, huh? Hmm. Thank you, Damien. So thank you all for joining Damien. us this afternoon for this important announcement. Damien. This case came together at great speed in such that it's only possible to be standing here today through tremendous coordination and cooperation from many people and agencies. Yeah, because you had to get them away from Capitol Hill. As the indictment today alleges, Bankman Freed knowingly defrauded customers of FTX through the misappropriation of customer deposits to pay expenses and debts of, of a different company. In addition, Bankman Freed executed deliberate transactions designed to obscure and disguise the misuse of customer funds. He preyed on his customers, the victims of this case, abusing the trust placed not only in his company, but in himself as the lead of that company. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm no finance guy, but I knew crypto was a scam right from the get-go. I just, I mean, it was, we, we all kind of knew it. All right, what else? If you're willing to deceive customers and attempt to hide your actions, we will be persistent in pursuing you and ensuring you are brought to justice. That sounds great. Then leave Trump alone. Go after the real crime. Team at the Southern District for their cooperation and uh, partnership on this case. I also want to thank our partners at the SEC and the CFTC for their outstanding work. A word of thanks to DEA's Aviation Division and their Foreign Operations Group for their logistics and resource assistance over the past few days. Our field offices in Boston, Miami, Washington, D.C., and our LEGAT office in Bridgetown. FBI headquarters components that fed and worked on this case from Criminal Investigative Division, our CERG team, Crisis uh, Incident How did they find group. the time when they were so busy throwing the, the elections with the well, – wow, keep going. Forensic accountants from our securities fraud squad as well as the money laundering squad. The Justice Department Office of International Affairs has been uh, an important partner in this. And, of course, as Damien noted before – his team in securities and commodities fraud, money laundering, and transnational criminal enterprise unit has been a true partner in this case. All right, enough. I can't take this. Uh, a, they're praising themselves and all the coordination and cooperation. And we expect you guys to work together. Get on with it. Uh, I never heard of this guy before three days ago, quite frankly. I mean, right? I mean, I just never heard of him. Sam Bankman. Now, I know Tom Brady. I just knew that that crypto stuff was not for me. I didn't want to mess with it. I didn't feel comfortable with it, so I always stayed away. Um, you know, it's kind of amazing. I'm looking at all the screens. Now, they're covering this. And again, what are they not covering? The border situation, uh, outright corruption in the Biden family, um, you know, losing wars, jeopardized national security. How is it that the Republicans were not able to do better at the midterms? I tell you what, long term, uh, we might be just kind of screwed permanently unless we get our arms around this election stuff. You know, here's a ballot. Any Everybody gets a ballot. You don't have a ballot. Here's one. Here's another. Here's another. I'll bring it in. I'll submit it for you. Don't worry about that. I got it. We got it. The party has it. Uh, we just might have a permanent ruling party, and it will be the Democrat Party. Now, who the hell is this guy? Turn the, uh, turn the volume up. Continuing through November 2022, Bankman-Fried, raised more than $1.8 billion from equity investors 
on the basis of lies. You see, FTX operated behind a veneer of legitimacy that Bankman-Fried created by, among other things, repeatedly touting to investors FTX's top-notch automated risk controls that he claimed protect, protected customer assets, and by repeatedly claiming that those assets were at all times safe, segregated, and secure. But as we allege in our complaint, that veneer wasn't just thin, it was also fraudulent. Because in reality, from FTX's inception in 2019, Bankman-Fried began secretly and improperly diverting FTX customer funds to his crypto hedge fund, Alameda Research. And as alleged in our complaint, he then misused those funds to make undisclosed venture investments, lavish real estate purchases, and large political donations. Bankman-Fried's claims about FTX's sophisticated risk controls and other customer protections were simply bogus. Similarly, his representations to FTX investors and trading customers concerning Alameda were also part of that carefully crafted veneer and were similarly false and misleading. He wasn't carefully crafting he a veneer of success, it. wearing dumpy clothes and not getting a not getting a haircut. All right, enough of this. Uh, let's see what happens. Uh, what's our number again? 800-872-848-9222. And I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, and uh, we are back. A lot of people commenting on my commentary last night, commenting on the commentary. They can do that. Um, The Newsmax show at 10 o'clock. Ooh, getting ready for the big book reveal. It happens January 10th. Uh, Still time. You can order it, actually. If you go to my Twitter or you just go wherever books are sold, uh, you can probably get a signed copy by me. And um, I'm so blessed to have had this opportunity. Simon & Schuster, this is a big deal, big publisher. We want big sales, if you don't mind. Uh, The name of the book is Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. And uh, I'm very proud of it. It's a defense of law enforcement. I talk a lot about my dad in the book. I talk a lot about Barack Obama and this corrupt movement that has put us in a place where police are on their heels and they've been demonized and how we can push back, how we can get our country back. And I'm actually very pleased with the end of the book. You know, a lot of books start strong and then they kind of peter out and they're like, okay, this could have been a hundred pages smaller, maybe 50 pages. Mine, I hope you think, you know what? I wish you would have kept on going. Okay. That's, it ends with velocity. I'm very pleased, and uh, quite frankly, um, (laughs) no one's saying this stuff. A lot of it's common sense. A lot of it is stuff that you know, but uh, perhaps you've been, I don't know, shamed. You can't have an honest conversation about race. I've been saying for a long time we're having a silly, dopey conversation about race to avoid having a, um, a serious, helpful one. And I do believe that I wage a serious and helpful, uh, I started at least, what I hope becomes a national conversation about race in America. All right, let's do this. Uh, Jack in Manhattan. Hi. Hello. Craig, how are you? Good, man. When I was a kid, we grew up in a neighborhood uh, in upstate New York. If your father wasn't a cop, it's because he was a fireman. And uh, there was a kid down the street whose father was in emergency services, and they got called 
There's one apartment in the Bronx to evict a woman, and it ends up being Eleanor Bumpers, and she tried to kill him, and his partner got indicted for murder. And we were just like little kids thinking like, all right, our fathers were just doing their jobs. They didn't want this. They didn't need this. And it, it followed them their whole lives, frankly. I remember it. I remember the case. An emergently, an emotionally disturbed woman, Eleanor Bumpers, came at the cops with a knife. And she was a big woman. And she had been barricaded in there, and uh, they shot her. And I think it was a justified homicide. Ultimately, that guy was found not guilty, right? Yeah, and she was boiling lye on the stove. That was the problem. She she, she threw a pot of lye at them. And then, uh, you know, there was a riot because they, they told the cop, like, uh, you did the right thing. Because of a fake news narrative, they just, oh, boy, they fall in love with the story and they run with it. The facts be damned. You know, I hear from reporters all the time, well, the facts, the facts, the facts. It's what facts you choose and what facts you ignore, what you emphasize. You know, there's usually a kernel of truth in a lot of these stories. But what about the context? What about these other facts? What about, yes, as Kellyanne Conway said, the the alternative facts? Hey, thanks. Hey, where upstate was that, Jack? Inwood. You mean Manhattan? You call that upstate? Sometimes they joke. Yeah, they joke that Inwood is uh, upstate, although it's just northern, northern, northern Manhattan. All right, there's the music. Uh, I shall return momentarily. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, uh, I'm back. Tony Bobolinsky is not dead. He's out there, and he's got one hell of a story to tell. More on him. Remember, the laptop is real. First, they uh, they lied about it. Then they denied it. Then they, um, well, the fake news uh, buried it as well, and uh, nobody heard about it for a long time. Then that fantastic book came out, Laptop from Hell by Miranda Devine. You should get that. Uh, what else? Uh, now, Tucker has a new documentary on it, and... The Republicans are about to investigate. I mean, a real investigation, not a fake one. And they're doing it. And there's tremendous heat coming down on them. Hey, do you remember those FBI guys, um, ex-FBI guys and intelligence officials who came forward and said that it's Russia disinformation? Well, I remember at the time how disgraceful. It seemed so disgraceful to me that they would say something like that, such an overtly political cover-up, giving Joe Biden a way out. Listen to this. This is Congressman Jim Banks. He's not fooling around. Cut 14. There's no joke about it. Uh, These 51 officials abused their reputation and their positions as former intelligence officials to help their guy get elected on Election Day over Donald Trump. They abused the trust that the American people put them put uh, gave them 
in those positions. I'm glad that Kevin McCarthy is committed to calling them and subpoenaing them to come and testify before the committee. Mm -hmm. But I hope we go a lot further than that. When you go and you uh, and, and you apply to uh, reinstate your security clearance, there is a question on that application that asks about your trustworthiness, your character, and your honesty. And all 51 uh, of those officials assigned this letter proved to the American people that they're anything but honest. Good for him. And there's more. Next cut, 15. The only collusion that was happening here was between the Biden for president campaign and these 51 former intelligence officials. They coordinated this attack to try to sweep the story about the Hunter Biden laptop under the rug so that nobody would notice. So that I hope when we subpoena them and force them to testify, we'll talk about how the Biden campaign used this story, how they coordinated it with these officials and how these former intelligence officials are nothing more than political hacks and don't deserve the reputation of being uh, given that prestigious title that they used to have. Uh, wow. Uh, oh, he misses the uh, the FBI, by the way, the current FBI that was working with Twitter and big tech. I would even say colluding, colluding. Joe in Trenton, New Jersey, welcome back. Hey, good afternoon, Greg. So I don't know if you still want to hear from this topic or not, but I, I listened this morning on the morning show, and I heard part of what you had said about these five who raped and murdered this jogger. And I'm just curious as to, did anyone continue to do any kind of follow-up since the one kid had a scratch on his face, admitting that it came from the jogger? So was there any DNA evidence from that? And then secondly, since they were all given this great big break and, uh, you know, let set free when everybody knows that they took part in at least murdering this woman. Um, well, she wasn't killed. She now? wasn't killed. You know that she's alive. She's alive. She exists. She's alive right now. Her name is Trish Melee. She came forward. She wrote a book. She identified herself. And guess what? She's convinced that uh, it was definitely more than one person. And so are the doctors who treated her, by the way. All right? No, that nobody ever, because de Blasio basically wanted to make a campaign. Uh, it, was a, it was a political kind of contribution. Didn't want to fight this. Didn't want to contest this. The lawyers for the city did, uh, but de Blasio just wanted to give money to a community that would support him in elections. So um, I don't know. The only DNA evidence uh, was the uh, DNA evidence related to um, Mateus Reyes, which was, by the way, mentioned in the original trial. All right. It was mentioned that there was DNA evidence associated with uh, somebody they did not know. So the idea that it's brand new or whatever. I'm sorry. What the hell were they saying on the morning show? Because why did this come up? Well, I heard it on the morning show, and then you made a, a short message, um, a short statement on it—not a statement, a sentence, maybe. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to call and see. A sentence? I went off on it. I said these guys are guilty, as you know. And remember, you should watch the confessions yourself, and you'll see that these are not made up. These are not coerced. Nothing like that. And the next time—and granted, it's not necessarily a hot topic—but I still think it's fascinating because real people were harmed by this. Obviously, the victim. And uh, the professional reputations and livelihood of people like um, Elizabeth Letterer, she was the prosecutor in the case. Who else? Um, Linda Fairstein, of course, lost everything. You know, she's suing and she's ma she's suing Netflix and making big progress. So, Joe, thank you. Uh, let's see what else. David in Staten Island. Yes, David. 
I saw something on TV, I believe, of the Ponzi scheme uh, person. Yeah. Sitting next to him was Bill Clinton. And the other thing I uh, picked up from uh, your program, I believe, that the Democrats were getting money from him. So it's two factors in one story, and I think it's a lot worse. Uh, hey, I just got a cool email here. All right, wait, 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 sorry. One thing. You know, he wasn't only sitting next to Bill Clinton, Tony Blair. So this guy would, you know, have these phony events and seminars and symposiums and pay big money to these guys to show up and endorse the product. Some of them actually were into the product. I think Tom Brady was a big crypto guy. They got silly videos of those guys together. Um, I'm sorry, David, can you pick it up again? Yeah, these guys pay, and they sell it. They sell their reputations. Tony Blair, you can hire Tony Blair to show up, and what does it do? It gives you legitimacy. It lists, oh, this this must be on the up and up, Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. Um, Now, I have not seen the invoices and that kind of thing, but that's generally how it works. And more Democrats than Republicans seem to be into crypto. Hey, remember Eric Adams wanted to be paid in crypto. But I don't think I've answered your question, David. Uh, what was it again? There's one other thing I'd like to add on to yeah. it. I just found out, I think it was last night or yesterday, uh, the Democrats, uh, basically Biden, bribed a couple of Republicans to side with them on some subject. I forgot what it was. And uh, like switch sides. And I don't think that's the first time. Say that uh, the, you're talking about those rhinos who are always switching sides. Uh, uh, I'm assuming it was uh, possibly rhinos, but basically some of them were paid good sum of money to switch sides. And I always believe that some of the Republicans are Democrats. You know, after the election, how they act, how they carry out. That they're not doing uh, what they promised. Well, this uh, this has if been known to right this there. has been known to happen. Actually, not just rhinos. Uh, everybody, everybody. It's uh, money, man. Money can get you anything. It can get you votes. It can get. Oh gosh, it's terrible. But what did Winston Churchill say? Huh? Remember, democracy is the worst system in the world, except for all the others. Hey, you know, David. Let's say you, me, and a couple of our friends, we had some business together. And uh, we understood it better than any member of Congress, and we were always getting hassled by this, that, and the other thing, whether it was the city council or, uh, you know, some uh, annoying neighborhood group or whatever. And you and I decided, you know what, we're going to raise some money and we're going to hire a lobbyist and they're going to go down to Washington and they're going to explain our case. And uh, to help them explain the case, we're going to give money to uh, a couple of members of Congress and maybe we'll get some face time and maybe they'll see uh, they'll see things our way. You can see how it can happen, right? I mean, it's you can see how it can happen. And it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, although it does stink. You know what I mean, David? You know, if you and I had a business and we wanted to influence uh, these guys, there's actually nothing wrong with that, is there? Well, there's a question of legal and morality. But the other thing I would like to bring up, if I might. All right, David. You're kind of taking my memory on it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, I think I'm losing You it. lost it? All right. Call back tomorrow, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, I just got some good news. I wish I could share it with you, but uh, it's about the book. It's about the book. We are, no, I don't want to say we're breaking records, but we're doing okay. And here's this, here's my strategy, okay? If I get this book, if I make it the, if I sell enough copies of this book, I can write another one, and uh, 
Then we got another O'Reilly. Okay, we got another O'Reilly, and we can't just, uh, uh, you know, I don't want. I, I I don't like those books with those guys who are on TV and they write a book. You know, the top ten things that piss me off. You know, those are so lazy and cheap. This book took a hell of a lot of work, and I had to, um, well, a lot of research and a lot of thinking. There's a lot of history. That was my one concern, actually. At times in the book, it seems very, I got to go into history. I got to go into the 19th century. I got to go into slavery. I got to go into the history of slavery. I got to debunk the 1619 project. I don't think that's been done yet in book form. Well, I do it, and it's glorious. Um, all these myths, and you can't just say that's fake news. You got to actually offer the proof. And uh, when you do it in book form, because people can mm, – reading is different from listening. It's just a different thing. And actually, I learned this from O'Reilly. O'Reilly said you write television writing. You write for the ear. Uh, but book writing, you got to write for the eye and for the brain. It's a different equation. It's challenging, um, but I think we're making a difference here. The name of the book, one more time, is Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement by me, Greg Kelly, and you can pre-order it wherever you get your books. I do like those independent bookstores. I do love roaming around. And You ever notice how the bookstores are now selling Legos? They, they sell toys, too, which I think is a really good idea on their part. And, you know, some of these booksellers, we don't necessarily agree. Some of them lean left, and that's fine. You know, I love it. I would love my book to be right up there uh, next to, uh, you know, some liberals. You know, you need to have a choice, and it's too... They too readily shut us down. When I say they, I mean big tech. I mean the culture. You know, you're wrong. I'm right. How about the ideas compete in the marketplace, all right? Or debate. Maybe we should bring back debate. Maybe we should have more debate. Um, I'm open to it. Um, although it's, oof, gosh, you run the risk of losing. You could be right on the ideas. And then the smooth-talking person, they win the debate, but they're still wrong. I've seen that happen before. All right, give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, hey, folks, uh, Thursday, there's going to be a radiothon all day long, actually from 6 in the morning till noon for Tunnel to Towers, T2T, Tunnel to Towers. You know they do that great stuff for the, the Siller family, and we lost Stephen Siller that day, and we, we always remember, and we're going to raise money and do amazing things for first responders and military veterans. Go to T2T. Dot GregKellyShow.com. T2T.GregKellyShow.com. T2T.com. All right. Mayor Giuliani, welcome. How are you? How are you, Greg? You know, it's such a privilege to work with you. And you're Same right here. down the hall. It's icon, though. Same no, here. Thank Same you, here. sir. So look. All right. The FBI. The laptop. The Twitter dump. We're learning so much. The mainstream media is ignoring some of the biggest bombshells in American history right now. Yeah, Number one, isn't that isn't that isn't that sad? I, I, it means they're gone. I mean, they're gone as anything serious. Uh, it's, it'd be like Pravda. I mean, these stories are stories that you would think journalists uh, dream about when they're. It's like I got I've I've got a story that the FBI covered up the most relevant piece of criminal information on a, on a presidential candidate ever in history, and they covered it up? What a story that is. Wow. It's huge, and they pretend it didn't happen. Now, here's a new aspect to all this I did not understand, and I'm coming to terms with right now as we speak. The FBI knew that you had that laptop for many months before anybody else did, correct? No doubt about it. They had to have known it because they were 
illegally surveilling me. They were okay. They were they were surveilling you, and they knew that you were talking to people about this laptop. So the FBI went to work and told Big Tech, we expect that there will be a dump of disinformation regarding Hunter Biden and that it's uh, hacked materials combined with disinformation, and that's a lie. Well, I, they also the second part was a lie because they had it. They had it. They knew so it. They knew they it was a real wasn't thing. Hacked because John MacIsaac had given it to them. <laughs> but they're, what they're real uh, probably concerned with, how the hell did Giuliani get it? So all of a sudden, so they go back and they get my iCloud from the day I begin representing Trump. They don't tell me. They put together some phony affidavit that can't have anything in it since they never found a crime. Theoretically, they had probable cause that I committed a crime. Well, they never charged me with a crime. So in 2018, long time ago. They go and get my iCloud account. Wait, 2018, you're under surveillance. You're representing the president's son and the president yeah. at times? Uh, yes, and, it, and, and the campaign. Now, so, so uh, the president personally. So just think of the significance of that and how awful that is. They have no interest in me up until then. I'm just another lawyer, another guy, another Republican. All of a sudden, I represent the guy they want to frame, and they go and break the law, break the Sixth Amendment, and t- take all of my iCloud Ninety percent of which, as far as Laura's concerns, involves other people. Right. What about my other clients? They yeah. have no rights. How do we know? How do we know that about the uh, the warrant, the secret warrant that they got uh, in ni- twenty eighteen? How do we know? It was revealed to Congress a year ago, year and a half ago. I'm not. By the way, I'm not the only one. I'm on a list of about fifteen people. One of the others is someone I communicated with about this, John Solomon. So John Solomon's on that list. When I got the, the, the hard drive from John Mac Isaacs, not the Russians, um, I communicated with John to talk about strategies of how to get this out because we knew they would try to bury it. I mean, after all, they had buried everything else we put out, and they tried to bury us in the meantime. So I want to run this by you, and you're a presenter as well as a newsmaker and a lawyer. We all like uh, Elon Musk, correct? We love him. I am, I'm uh, amazed by him. Amazed by I, I'm amazed by him as well. However, he's not a gifted pres- presenter, nor should he be. He's he's a genius. He runs space programs and car companies. He's not a presenter. So, Mike, I want to say this. Yeah. The dump of the Twitter files on Twitter has been a bust. It's fantastic information, but they're putting it on these Twitter threads, yeah. which are hard to read. They're could- cumbersome, and they're 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 just it's just not designed for a mass audience. Yeah, it was not done, you know, Hollywood style. It wasn't done to make it easy. You would think it would have been done better by a public relations person or maybe some very skilled lawyer who knows how to present cases. On the other hand, you never know how much damage is done to the presentation by the fact that they don't like it and they attack it. So there's a little of both going on. I mean, he sure doesn't get any breaks, let's put it that way. He doesn't get any breaks, but, I mean, look, I'm all – over this stuff, it's dynamite, and I'm having a hard time. And here's yeah. something as Elon Musk, I want I want to play this for you. He says something incredible, and it's totally, totally true. Listen carefully. He calls uh, Twitter a, an arm of the Democrat Party. He leads out the FBI. We might as well throw the FBI in there too, right? One hundred percent. I mean, that's uh, they are basically part of the of the um, you know the state police. So listen to this. Cut forty four, please. If if Twitter is doing one team's bidding before an election. Shutting down dissenting voices um, on a pivotal election, that is the very definition of election interference. I and mean, what the hell else would you, of course, it's like, 
yes. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, frankly, Twitter was acting like an arm of the Democratic National Committee. It was absurd. Absurd. And with a great big assist from the FBI, my beef with Elon Musk is, number one, he seems to be in a car. It's on some sort of channel (laughs) on Twitter. It's you've never seen. It's like a zoom. It's like a zoom without video. That's what he called into. And he should be if he had a press conference for the Twitter headquarters, like at 12 noon on a Wednesday. I think that people would have to I think CNN would have to show up. And it's too easy to ignore in this obscure format. Yeah, and I'm surprised because, I mean, at Twitter, he's got unbelievable resources in terms of electronic engineers, people who are skilled at this. Uh, at the same time, maybe he wants to do this kind of much more uh, sort of regular person dump of it. But it is it is confusing. And then, he, and then he leads with his chin sometimes in some of the things that he says. But I like that because he's not politically correct. So – where should I go next on this story? Like, for instance, you know who this uh, Chan is, this guy Chan, the 100% FBI agent? 100% FBI. And, like, the way he talks, and let me, we have time, let me just play, cut 34, please, cut 34. Elvis Chan, special agent, cut 34. Elvis. I think that we are moving along well and steadily improving, right? So we have Super Tuesday coming up next week, and then we have the elections in November. So I would like to report that the FBI and the U.S. government as a whole is all moving together in lockstep, getting ready for the big day. I mean, this is not what the FBI should be doing. Are no, they, no. This is, this, he sounds like a campaign guy. Yeah, this sounds like when Bi- when Biden said, I have the best fraud operation. <laughs> I have the best <laughs> right, fraud operation right, for right. any president. Um, so... <laughs> All right. These guys, I think that's very incriminating. It's so far afield of what the FBI should be doing. What's going to happen next? What's the next thing? I, I feel like we're waiting for another shoe to drop or I guess it's the congressional hearings or what should I be looking for? Yeah, I think a lot of oh, for, let's just stick with this one. I think the fruitful place to go is to keep digging within the FBI. I think you're going to find lots of emails, lots of text, lots of correspondence with all the players there. You can see how much Comey was involved in this. How about we go back and I, I uh, and show that the uh, Hillary case was fixed mm. by Obama? Remember when Obama just publicly announced she was innocent? He just said that she, you know. The, the yeah, case, he thought the, there was the, nothing the, there. Yeah. But how outrageous is that for a president? A president announces in the middle of a highly sensitive investigation that the main subject is innocent. Just in case anybody at the FBI didn't get the point, he wanted her cleared. That's interesting. And then I you, want her cleared, boys and girls. I and, want her cleared. And you think Donald Trump says, you know, to Flynn once, I hope this isn't a big deal. I hope yeah. it goes away. Yeah. That's the way it should be done, yes. not like Obama. Rudy, the next hour is Great yours. Great work. Thank you, sir. Mr. Watch him Mayor. tonight. He's always terrific. Thank you. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.